what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small businesses with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your small business more effectively. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who's the head of the business department at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory. Hey, Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jeff. Looking forward to another great show. Hope things are going well for you. Going well. well very we just good. got back from the NACI National Conference, and it was a big hit. Very successful. And you traveled all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina for that. It was that. a long drive. Okay. Well, I'm, we're, we're glad that you made it back safely and soundly. Uh, today's show, we're looking forward to having uh, uh, some, some good things on today's show. We're going to start with some uh, small business news and notes that have crossed our desk. The main topic that we're going to be covering today is small business funding, which we'll be discussing with our guest, Mike Ariola, who is a senior area manager for the Small Business Administration, and he is uh, housed in Asheville, North Carolina. And then uh, finally, we'll end uh, with our small business of the month, where we'll highlight some small businesses that uh, we've uh, run across that we find interesting and, and can share some information about folks with that. But let's start by welcoming our guest, uh, Mike Ariola. Uh, Mike, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Jeff. It's good to be here. Well, we're very uh, glad that uh, you could uh, travel from Asheville and join us today here in our studio. Uh, Mike has been with the U.S. Small Business Administration since January 1998. In February 2004, he accepted a position with the SBA North Carolina District Office, where he opened a satellite office in western North Carolina in Nashville, and that's where he's been based. As a senior area manager for the SBA, Mike is responsible for delivering the SBA's programs to small businesses in 22 counties of western North Carolina. His emphasis is on delivering capital funding to small businesses in partnership with North North Carolina lenders through SBA's many financial programs. He is a business and corporate banker by training. He's worked for various banks, including Chase Manhattan, Bank of Hawaii, and HSBC. Uh, he attended the uh, University of California at Berkeley and is also a graduate of the Asian Institute of Management. Uh, and, and in 2010, Mike completed his master's degree in public affairs from Western Carolina University and was inducted into Phi Kappa Phi and Phi Gamma Nu Honor Societies. My Greek is not good. I'm assuming that's a good thing, Mike. Sorry? My Greek is not good, so I'm assuming that those are, oh, those are good yeah, things. yeah, just fine, just fine. <laughs> well, anyway, we're happy that you could be with us and, and, uh, and travel down. And, and uh, uh, we're, we're taping this uh, towards the tail end of October, and, and I guess you, you uh, had some time off earlier this month uh, when the government was shut down. We're, we're glad that you are back on the job. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad to be uh, back on the job myself as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, super. As I said, we're taping this in late October, and when I when I get into late October, I, you know, I'm I'm sort of a fan of holidays and Halloween. I, I'm, uh, I'm I you know I have been known to dress up for Halloween before, and and right around the corner from Halloween is is uh, the Christmas holidays, which which got me to thinking uh, for small businesses in particular, 
the holiday season becomes very important. Uh, it can be some of the their biggest selling time of the season, and if they don't have a good holiday, it can put them in, behind the eight ball. So I, I was going online because I, I always hear how Halloween has become a very important retail ho- holiday, and I was curious to how it stacked up to the other holidays. So I'll ask you guys, you know, what – you, you know, what do we think the biggest uh, holiday seasons are there out there for small business? And in terms of retail dollars, I went out to the National Retail Federation website and was looking it up. What do you guys think are the biggest selling holidays out there? Well, this takes me back to when I was in the franchise business and we were in the retail of selling nut and candy and cookie stores and enclosed malls. And so this was a big thing that we looked at, uh, which were the key times of the year that we were going to have these bumps in sales and then the declines. I would certainly think that Christmas is number one. Christmas and, and the, 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 in the nas- lead up to it. The National Retail Federation calls it the winter holidays, which I guess is all encompassing, whether it be Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, and any other winter holidays that I might be missing around the holiday season. But uh, according to the National Retail Federation, that's about 80% of the holiday sales, when you look at all the other holidays, are, are done over the winter. $602 billion worth of sales happen there. So, so obviously, if we're sitting here in late October and you're someone that d- depends on holiday shopping when it comes to Christmas time, you better be well underway in your preparations to make sure that you've got inventory, you've got your promotions, you've got things ready to go because that's a coming. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah, start sure is. looking in September, you're starting to see the Christmas decorations and all those things. And yeah. we used to say if we didn't make it in October through December that it was going to be a tough year. So what do you guys think is the second uh, largest holiday, holiday when it comes to uh, retail sales? Easter? Oh, go ahead. Matt. I'm going to guess Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is fourth. Easter hmm. is fifth. Hmm. So any other, any other guesses? I was going to say back. I was going to say back to school. Is that a holiday? I don't. That is actually second. I don't know if that's you know. Maybe that's a holiday for parents when they get to send their children back to school, Mm. and and the parents think it's a wonderful holiday. And but that is second. That's seventy-two point five billion dollars, which is still obviously dwarfed by uh, the winter holidays at six hundred and two. Third place, Halloween. Halloween's down the list. Third place is Mother's Day. Mm. Oh, Mother's Day. Okay. You know, which I guess if you're I'm in probably going to be in trouble at home. Oh, uh, you, you, you've got you've got time to to uh, prepare for that one. You can, you can make that one up. Okay. I suspect. Uh, so Mother's Day was third, then Valentine's Day, then Easter, then Father's Day at twelve point seven billion. After Father's Day, the Super Bowl. Hmm. So I wouldn't count that as a. I would count that as a holiday. I'm going to sure my wife would. Yeah, why we can't figure out how to make the Monday after the Super Bowl a holiday, I don't know. I think that uh, we we need to work on that one. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and then Halloween, six point nine billion dollars in retail sales. You know, not too shabby. And uh, finally, St. Patrick's Day. So, what are you going to dress up this Halloween, Miss? You know, I I I I will share a little little thought. I've always wanted to dress up as a gorilla, and and I always had this idea. And I don't really want to do this on Halloween because, you know, everyone dresses up as a gorilla on Halloween, you know. But I always wanted to, like, dress up as a gorilla, like, on September 1st and go run around in a park and try to convince people that there was a gorilla on the loose. You know, have you ever done that, Gary? 
Now it's never crossed my mind. Yeah, well, but I could see it crossing your mind. Well, I, I, you know, unfortunately, with the changes in gun laws uh, in North Carolina, <laughs> right. I'm not sure that's a good idea any longer. Someone might feel they're rescuing our citizens by taking down a, a raging gorilla. So I'm, I'm not sure I will ever fulfill that uh, that uh, costume fantasy. But, but anyway, I think we're getting off topic. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to pull us back in okay. because the topic that we really want to talk about, uh, you know, particularly we, we were talking about retail sales uh, is funding your small business, which is something that when you're starting a business, when you're in business is a, a constant concern and worry. And, uh, and we're fortunate to have Mike here and and uh, you know, let's 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 start, Mike, by talking just a little bit about what the Small Business Administration does and and how it supports small business. And we'll we'll start there and, and work towards some of the the funding specific things. But why don't you why don't you share with us a little bit about what the Small Business Administration does to to help small businesses? Sure. Yeah, I'd be glad to, Jeff. Just by way of background, uh, the Small Business Administration is a U.S. government agency. We were formed. Uh, about 60 years ago to help Americans start, develop, and, and grow their small businesses. And we do that through four program areas. There's our Office of Advocacy in Washington, D.C., and they're the folks who provide testimony up on Capitol Hill in the event Congress is uh, considering legislation that has an impact on small business. They also sponsor things like university-generated research on the health of small businesses and that sort of thing. The other three programs that I'm going to talk about briefly are available through all SBA field offices across the country, including mine. And those are financial assistance programs to help small businesses uh, start and expand. We've got a host of entrepreneurial development programs to help small businesses with counseling and training, including SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives, and the Small Business Development Centers nationwide. Here in North Carolina, they're known as the Small Business and Technology Development Centers. And we've got a number of women's business centers and veterans business outreach centers as well. And then the the fourth program area where the SBA can be of help to small businesses is through our federal contracting programs, uh, where small businesses can take advantage of certification and other resources to help them tap into the federal contracting marketplace. So we've got the Office of Advocacy, we've got counseling and training programs, we've got financial programs, and finally, we've got federal contracting programs for small businesses. So so a lot of different services out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, in, in my work, I, I run into folks that are interested in starting businesses as well as small businesses, and, and they often have uh, perceptions or, may, or maybe misperceptions about what the SBA does and provides when it comes to their services. And, and, and let's, let's try to dispel those or some of those, at least when it comes to funding. I think a lot of people assume, number one, that the SBA makes grants and, and when, when we say grants, it's uh, monies that get, you get that you do not have to repay. And uh, that, that somewhere, Mike, you're sitting on a, a big pot of gold that you can distribute to folks as they come into your office. So, you know, this is sort of 60 Minutes cutting-edge journalism type thing. Is this true? Well, uh, for 99% of the people that contact me asking about grants for their small business, the answer is no. There are no grants for your small business, whether you're looking to start or expand, not from the SBA. Now, there's a very specific program called um, the Small Business Innovation and Research Program uh, in which... uh, about seven federal agencies take part. That is strictly for scientific innovation and research grant funding for 
uh, scientific, scientifically oriented folks who just happen to have small businesses uh, can take part, provided that federal agency has a line item in their research and development budget for that. And the SBA administers that. Uh, then there are a couple of very specific counseling and training uh, grants that the SBA awards to some of the agencies that I just talked about, like SCORE and the Small Business Development Centers nationwide, so that they can uh, hire folks, pay them, pay their bills, and assist businesses through that. But for 99% of the folks that call my office, the answer is no. There are no grants, no, no free money from the federal government, not from the SBA for your business. Uh, that, that's what we feared, but we just wanted to, to get that one cleared up. So another perhaps common misperception that I run into, the SBA does have loan programs. Uh, so I think people often assume that the SBA loans money directly to business. How about that one? Is that true, false, or how does that work? Partially true. Now, it used to be a long time ago that if a small business owner wanted to uh, apply for a business loan, they'd you know, approach a couple of their banks, and if they got declined by, uh, by those banks, then they would furnish those you know, two or three letters of decline to the SBA, and we could see about lending them the money directly. Now, our direct loan program for regular business purposes has not been funded for about 15 years. So now how SBA loans work is strictly in partnership with, with banks, uh, primarily through our guarantee mechanism. And I can talk about that uh, later on in, in this conversation. I said partially true because SBA does have a very, continues to have a very active disaster loan program. And that's the only time where the SBA, in fact, lends money directly. But that is strictly to help not only businesses, but also nonprofits and individuals to recover in the aftermath of disasters. And in those scenarios, the SBA can provide very low-interest, uh, long-term loans to help folks recover from, from the aftermath of disasters. Uh, just like in 2004 when the floods came rushing through western North Carolina, that created a lot of flooding, and, and SBA dispatched uh, a couple of dozen disaster loan officers to help with that. Also, more recently here in this, in Catawba and surrounding counties, there was also a lot of flooding due to the heavy rains that mm -hmm. fell, and SBA dispatched its disaster loan officers to, to make that assistance available to folks here. Not just businesses, but also nonprofits and individuals homeowners and renters. So that's the only time that the SBA lends money directly. That's important because I wasn't aware of those things. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're, you're talking about instances where the, the SBA loans directly to folks in, in very specific situations. But uh, you do work with other lending organizations to guarantee loans and, and to assist small businesses who a bank might look at and say, well, that's, it's an interesting business. It's close. We have a few concerns. Perhaps if we get the SBA involved uh, to guarantee some of that loan, it's going to make more sense for our bank. Mm -hmm. Are there, why don't you talk some about the specific programs that small businesses might, might engage in that fashion? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, usually how SBA loans work is is since the SBA doesn't lend the money, and again, this is for non-disaster purposes, uh, the usual uh, course for a small business owner or pros prospective small business owner to take is to approach their, their bank of account. And so a small business loan uh, applicant could approach their banker and say, yeah, I'm interested in applying for a small business loan either to start up or to expand. And your banker could render one of three possible decisions. 
yeah, no problem, we'll lend you the money outright, or no, I'm afraid we need to deny your loan application for whatever reason specified. And the third possibility is your lender could say, yeah, we're willing to make this loan, but you know what, we're not totally comfortable with your loan application. So you know what we're going to do is we're going to apply to the SBA for a government guarantee. And if the SBA approves that guarantee, then we notify the bank uh, of our approval. We instruct them to go ahead and disperse the loan. And the SBA, through the life of the loan, we really don't do anything except stand off to the side, ready to make payment in case the borrower defaults. And we can guarantee in many cases up to 85% of a bank's loan exposure, meaning that if I were to make you a loan, if the bank were to make you a loan today at for $100,000, and if at some point in the future you've paid that loan down to about 50000 but you start having problems and the bank is forced to um, call on the SBA's guarantee to pay that off, mm-hmm. at that point the SBA would be honored obligated to honor up to 85% of that $50,000 loan balance, in other words, at the time that you're having problems. And that kind of mechanically is how our guarantee program works. It's not an automatic. You apply to the bank. The bank applies to SBA for a government guarantee collecting some paperwork from you as well as on their side. They submit that to the SBA for our approval. And we take a look at things such as, you know, is the, first of all, is the business eligible to apply? Because not every type of business is eligible for an SBA loan. And then we take a look at some of the credit criteria um, that the applicant uh, presents to us as well. So, so in terms of the criteria, uh, or let's start with eligibility, you know, mm-hmm. what, you know, what businesses can apply, which businesses mm-hmm. can't apply. Yeah, it's easiest to tell to tell you which uh, which kinds of enterprises can't apply. Some of those that come up pretty often are passive I- income type type of enterprises like apartment rentals or strip malls or landlords. Uh, another one that comes up every now and then is uh, nonprofit enterprises. Mm-hmm. And the reason those two are ineligible is because when Congress established us way back when, they said, SBA, we want you to help small businesses, businesses that A, create jobs, and B, contribute to the tax base. And it's for those reasons that we are prohibited from financing landlords or nonprofit enterprises. Mm-hmm. There are some kinds of uh, enterprises known as pyramid types of businesses that are ineligible as well. And when I say pyramid, I don't mean, you know, the Bernie Madoff type of pyramid uh, scheme, but pyramidal structure enterprises like Amway and Avon, those are not eligible for SBA loans. Many types of franchises are eligible for financing, but SBA needs to review the franchise documents first just to ensure that the individual operator is in fact operating as a bona fide small business as opposed to a subsidiary or a division of a very large conglomerate. Um, So those are the ones that come up the most often. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Are there certain dollar amounts that fit better within programs? If, if for example, uh, you know, you threw out 100, but some of the small businesses I work with are, are looking for lower amounts, you know, twenty-five dollars to $50,000 mm-hmm. to... 
uh, grow or, or to get off the ground? Are those are there are there certain dollar amounts that fit better with programs, or or is that wide open? Sure. Um, the maximum amount of a loan that the SBA can um, can take a look at the gross loan amount is five million. We would be able to guarantee up to seventy five percent of that only. Then there are some some of the express programs that have been very popular. SBA Express is the uh, is the government's attempt to streamline the paperwork and yet give the lender the comfort of an SBA guarantee. And through that program, we can guarantee 50% of, of a bank loan. And the lender can take advantage of online of an online application. And I've actually worked with some lenders to actually walk them through the process. Provided they've done all, all of their, their paperwork, their eligibility, that sort of thing, they then go online and they can get an, a response automatically within seconds from SBA because it is online. So, um, and for the express programs, they can apply for loans up to 350000 There's a couple of others like Patriot Express intended for veterans where the SBA uses the Express platform, but we can guarantee up to 85% of the loan amount. And that's intended to encourage lenders to lend more money to veteran-owned enterprises. Mm -hmm. What is the normal amount of time for going through for an SBA guaranteed loan? I know you talked about the express program. Sure, right yeah. What's the normal? Yeah, let me frame? kind of lay out a scenario. Let's just say that maybe an applicant needs a $1 million loan to, to start up a fairly large type of enterprise where they need a, let's just say that they need a, a, large, a lot of equipment. And let's just assume that they're not going to acquire the building. Uh, so the applicant pre- presents his or her business plan to the bank. The bank Kind of usually replies and says, well, here are some standard bank application forms that you need. And that's assuming that the business plan is completed because before that time, I would estimate that 80 to 90 percent of the, the applicant's effort is going to be uh, taken over by that whole business planning process. It's about 80 to 90 percent of their time. Then they go to the bank. The bank lets them fill out some application forms. Then the, the applicant returns those application forms. And the bank Usually, um, I'm seeing, I would say, at, at, at kind of like the low end, maybe three weeks internal bank underwriting and processing time. A lot, of time that, a lot of times that period gets extended by some of the questions that an applicant has to respond uh, to the banker. Maybe they didn't, they forgot to provide current financial statements or something like that. So that tends to draw out the process a lot. So let's just say that after that three-week period, the, the bank renders a, an approval and issues to them a commitment letter. Usually that commitment letter will have as one of the, one of the conditions subject to an SBA guarantee. So if the applicant signs off and, and accepts that commitment letter, that's then usually the trigger for the bank to fill out some forms and the applicant to fill out some forms. The bank will consolidate that, send that off to SBA. The forms are not particularly onerous because I, I will guarantee you that really the, all the time done with the business plan, the exhibits, the financial statements, all of that stuff the bank is going to already have on hand. What gets sent to the SBA are things like the, the eligibility checklist that the bank has to provide and some kind of funky federal-specific forms related to things like the applicant has to certify that, no, they are not going to use any federal funds for lobbying or anything like that. Very specific federal type of, uh, of things that have to be done. Anyway, at the end of that cycle, those forms are submitted to the SBA. Because we were just shut down and because our, our processing centers are, try, are playing catch-up, I would estimate about 20 working days for SBA to process that now. Pre-shutdown, we were averaging more like 10 working days. But now I would say 20 days, maybe a little more because, of course, 
as our processing centers are getting caught up with all that workflow, guess what? More applications are still coming in. So I would say on the low side, maybe 20 working days for SBA to approve that. And if we approve it, we'll notify the bank in writing. We'll say, okay, bank, go ahead. We go ahead. We hereby approve this loan. Go ahead and proceed to document that. And the bank has to take care of document processing time. If there's a mortgage involved, that will certainly draw out the process a little bit more. If there are you know, discrepancies on the title reports and that sort of thing. And then at the end of that whole process, the borrower gets their loan. So so, so a lot of the work that you're doing, or the majority, is is working hand-in-hand hand with uh, banks and, and lending organizations. You know, what's, in terms of the lending environment out there these days, you know, what's your, what's your sense of available funds for small businesses and, and startups? Uh, uh, you know, I know we've We've obviously gone through a great recession, and, mm-hmm. and things have been tough. And and I think banks have been pulled in a couple different directions. Where on the one hand, uh, their auditors have questioned why did they make certain certain loans and mm-hmm. force them to reserve certain monies, which uh, limit what they can lend. And on, on the other hand, uh, uh, the the press and politicians would would are, are certainly encouraging them to lend mm-hmm. more money. So. Mm-hmm. So what's it out? What's it like out there for small businesses uh, at this point in time? Yeah, well, in the midst of the Great Recession, as some people call it, there has been an awful lot of bank consolidations. Some banks have gone under. Lots of banks have been taken over. Some banks, to, some smaller banks, to this day, are being acquired. So uh, the numbers, the number of players out there has um, uh, has has decreased. But the other kind of more fundamental thing is. As a result of the Great Recession, that has forced a lot of banks to be a lot more judicious in how they take a look at loan applications. What I'm getting at is lending capital is more scarce today, certainly, than it was pre-financial crisis. The other thing to bear in mind, and, and I can certainly speak from personal experience having been a commercial banker at one point in my career, is that banks are very tightly regulated by the FDIC, among others, uh, number one. And number two, when a bank lends you, the, lends you money, they are not lending you the bank's you know, sacks of cash. The banks are lending you your and my money as depositors, and it's it's because they play that sort of uh, fiduciary or, or guardian of depositors' money. That's exactly what FDIC regulators are looking out for, and it's because of that that the FDIC regulators really go through a bank's lending standards with a fine-tooth comb. That said, banks are used to looking at a loan application today based on the last two or three years' financial statements. And guess what? The last two or three years' financial statements generally don't look very encouraging because those are the last two or three years of the financial crisis. And so that being the case, banks, uh, of course, being conservative and forced to be conservative because they're very tightly regulated, will give the most favorable consideration with those, to those businesses that have been, A, long-time, long-time customers, and B, that do have a, a very solid historical track records, it, record. In other words, hopefully they've weathered the financial crisis very well and they've got some very strong financial statements. What I'm seeing very broadly with small businesses is that it's only in the last maybe 12 to 18 months that they're able to produce these financial statements that do show a turnaround. Not in all cases, but in quite a few. And what really helps them kind of get over that hump in terms of securing a loan uh, approval is whether or not 
today, they've got some interim financial statements that show further improvement and also some financial projections that show a reasonable basis to repay the loan over, uh, over the, the, the next couple of, of uh, fiscal years. And that's why it's so important for them to take advantage of technical assistance providers, such as the small business centers, so that you all can help them, coach them along the process in drafting reasonable financial projections for the, t- for the bank to take a look at. So that, in a nutshell, is, is kind of my two cents on what the current lending environment looks like. What is the average term for a loan? It kind of depends on the use of proceeds, and that kind of gets to one of the reasons why a bank would want to do an SBA guaranteed loan. Generally, for a working capital loan, you could get maybe six months to maybe a year on the high side for a loan to repay for pay to pay for working capital. In other words, pay expenses. With an SBA guarantee, we can permit the lender to go out as far as ten years to, for the borrower to repay that loan, and that has the positive impact of a much lower monthly. Uh, uh, debt service burden. For someone trying it sure to start is. A it sure is. Yeah, yeah. Of course, not every bank is going to want to do a ten-year working capital loan. It just depends upon whether that or not that's a permanent work, permanent working capital need. So, uh, any any uh, practical words for the the small business that calls on you or, or walks in your office and says, "Gosh, Mike, uh, uh, I'm looking for for a loan. This, this, and this. I'm getting ready to go sit down with the bank. I recognize that." Perhaps it's going to be a, an SBA guaranteed loan, or, or maybe not. But in terms of preparing themselves to go in and, and apply for the loan, are there certain steps they should be taking to prepare themselves? Yeah, the very first thing that any prospective small business applicant do is pull your personal credit score, uh, pull your personal um, credit history. You can do that three free through annualcreditreport.com and then just select one of the three credit bureaus. It only costs like $6 to pull your own credit score. It will not count against you because you are the individual pulling your own credit score. Uh, but pull your own credit history as well as your credit score. And if there are any discrepancies there that need to be removed, make it a point to remove that before you walk into the bank want, wanting to apply for your loan. I'm seeing lenders admit applicants with credit scores average and above. If you want a hard number, I would say that the national average is about 680. So walk into the bank, if you can, with a personal credit score of 680 or higher. The higher above average you can get, the better off you'll be. Uh, And of course... Um, Nothing is more disconcerting to a small business applicant than for a lender to decline their loan application because of some blip on their credit history that should have been removed. For example, a medical bill that was already paid or some other sort of of loan payment maybe that uh, for which they've actually got a, a, a record of payment. All right. Any, any, uh, you know, we're we're sort of getting toward the end of our our time here. Any other uh, thoughts uh, on the lending environment that uh, you want to share at this point, Mike? Sure. Um, well, we the SBA is is funded to to back loans uh, on a continual basis. I kind of thought I'd raise some kind of brief statistics, but in nationwide. Uh, the SBA approved a total of 54, over 54,000 loans for small businesses nationwide, amounting to $23 billion. That's up from $21, $22 billion in the previous year. So uh, we're starting to see a return to uh, a sort of normal increase in loan activity. So we're prepared to help small businesses, and, and we'd like very much for our lenders to make use of us um, wherever the occasion may warrant. 
And if someone wants to uh, find out more information about the Small Business, Small Business Administration, I, I believe your website is www.sba.gov. Is that the best way to find you? That, w- that would be the best way. And since your reach is, uh, is nationwide, uh, they can find sba.gov and, and, and click to find their state or, or, or local office. Here in the state of North Carolina, it's sba.gov slash nc. So it's always slash the last two letters of your – or the, the – the abbreviation for your state. Uh, and I'm, I'm based in Asheville. I do serve the Hickory market. I recently uh, acquired an additional six counties as part of my, my service area, uh, and Catawba County is, is among them. Um, so, yeah, you can also find me at sba.gov slash nc. Oh, very good. Well, we, we, we appreciate you uh, joining us today and sharing information about SBA and your your ideas on what's going on out there in the lending environment. And and uh, it's it's still tough out there for small businesses and, and whatever hints we can give them to be more successful when they look for funding, that's what we want to do. So thanks very much for your thanks. help today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks. Great information. Well, let's wind up by talking about our, our small business of the month. And, uh, Gary, what are, you, uh, what are you looking at this month? Thanks, Jeff. As you know from our previous shows, I like to find successful businesses with a catchy name or theme. We've highlighted in the past Lolly Wally Doodle of Lexington, North Carolina, Ashton Kutcher's Dwala, and last show was Duck Dynasty's Duck Commander. And we'll continue that theme with today's show. Good to have a theme. I want to highlight a Charlotte-based company. Uh, the CEO is Amber Schaub, and she's the founder of Russell Butts. Ruffle Butts. Ruffle Hard for butt. me to say. Ruffle Butts, okay. Who appeared on ABC's Shark Tank on Friday, October 18th, where Shark Lori from QVC offered her $600,000 investment for 9% of the company. I hope she took it. Which, by the way, represents a valuation of over $6.5 million, and my understanding is she did. Oh, smart woman. She founded the Children's Apparel Company with a signature baby bloomer in 2007. Has since grown her collection to include dresses and other accessories, as well as rugged butts. You can imagine what that's for, the extension to the, from the original line to cover young boys. The frilly, girly apparel has been featured on American Idol and the Ellen DeGeneres Show. They've been the favorite of some Hollywood celebrities, including Jessica Alba and Tori and Dean Spelling. The company is ranked number six, 166 in Inc.'s 500 list of the fastest-growing privately-owned companies in the United States. Oh, very cool. Well, thank you very much. The uh, company I am highlighting this month is a company located here in Hickory, North Carolina, in the foothills of uh, our mountains of North Carolina. It's a company called Dirtball Fashion which produces and sells American-made recycled apparel for men and boys. They manufacture an apparel line including T-shirts, polos, shirts, hats, hoodies, and socks. It was founded by a local fellow named Joe Fox. And all their apparel products are made from recycled cotton and polyester from recycled materials, primarily plastic water and soda bottles. Each Dirtball t-shirt contains uh, seven 16-ounce water bottles, and Dirtball's current short, which they call the Dirt Short, is made out of 25 16-ounce bottles, which have been repurposed to create a high-quality polyester fabric. The shorts are not only recycled, but they are recyclable, in that uh, once a pair is worn out, you can return it to Dirtball fashion, and they will give you a, a coupon for 20% off on a future online purchase. 
Uh, all their products are made in the USA with American workers and through a domestic supply chain. And most recently, they've developed and offer they're developed and they're offering something called the Green Gene, which it's actually blue, but it's they call it green because it's made of uh, recycled cotton and recycled water bottles made in the US, USA. And and I found it interesting. We're talking about funding. They actually raised. $40,000 for this project through the Kickstarter website, which uh, is a crowdfunding source where people can contribute to uh, businesses or ideas or causes that uh, they like, and uh, they raise over $40,000 through that. So that's another option out there for folks to consider for funding. Perhaps it's a future one of our shows that we'll talk about more about that. But you can find out about Dirtball through uh, going to their website at www.dirtballfashion.com. Dot com and uh, it's a very interesting company. So great name. So check it out. Anyway, if you have an idea for the small business of the month uh, that you'd like us to highlight, please send us an email at e exchange the letter e word exchange at the mesh tv. And if we choose it, uh, we've got an incredible prize pack that we will get to you. And we we had a winner last month uh, who was you know very impressed with the. T-shirts and uh, uh, USB, all the great uh, things we offer. Incredible things, you know that uh, we can't even discuss here on the podcast because we would probably be overwhelmed with responses. But anyway, we will look forward to hearing from from you if you have a small business idea, and we'll look forward to talking again with you next month. Until then, Jeff, have Have a good show. Thanks for having. uh, Thanks for being here, Mike. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks. All right, take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. 